The following presentation was recorded during the Beyond Study Information evening on March 23rd of 2023. This recording is shared with permission from the study authors and all meeting participants. For copies of the available documentation, please visit KBG Foundation at www.kbgfoundation.com or Cerebra Network at www.cerebranetwork.com. Just a reminder, <laughs> this meeting will be recorded and it will be disseminated at a later date. Um, so, you know, everybody mind your P's and Q's, if you would please. Um, I'm, it's my pleasure to introduce you to the presenters tonight. Uh, Dr. Haley Crawford is an associate professor at the University of Warwick Medical School, where she leads the Neurodevelopmental Conditions Research Group. Her research focuses on characterizing behavioral and mental health outcomes in individuals with neurodevelopmental disorders associated with intellectual disability. Her work to date has primarily focused on understanding autism, anxiety, ADHD, and behaviors that challenge in children and adults with rare genetic syndromes through describing behavioral profiles developmenting trajectories, risk markers, and mechanisms underpinnings, Haley received an incubator award from Mental Health Research for building research in underserved areas. Haley is a specialist advisor to the Fragile X Society, a co-director of the Cerebral Network for Neurodevelopmental Disorders, and assistant deputy director of the Midlands Mental Health and Neurosciences, PhD program for healthcare professionals. Dr. Joanna Moss is a senior lecturer at the University of Surrey. Her research is concerned with understanding the prevalence, profile, and social cognitive mechanisms associated with the development of autism and related characteristics in individuals with genetic syndromes. Dr. Caitlin Murray is a postdoctoral research fellow at the University of Surrey, working on the Beyond Study as part of the Cerebral Network. As part of this work, she also focuses on autism characteristics and autism diagnosis in individuals with genetic syndromes. She completed her PhD at the University of Warwick, researching the family context and measurement of mental health and well-being of children and young people with intellectual disabilities. Dr. Karen Lowe is a consultant clinical geneticist in the UK and is a member of the KBG Foundation Scientific Advisory Board. Her interest in KBG syndrome started back in 2016 when she published the largest cohort of patients with the condition at the time, and has since co-authored several further scientific articles on KBG syndrome. She continues to see patients with KBG syndrome in the UK and has an ongoing clinic and research interest in this condition. It's my pleasure to turn the time over now to you. Thanks so much. Um, so I believe I'm gonna kick off with a bit of an introduction as to um, the Cerebra Network, who we are, what we do, um, and then I'll pass on to the others who will be able to give you more information about a particular study, the BEYOND study. Um, so I'm just going to try share my screen. Um, hopefully someone will tell me that that has worked. Just black at the moment, Haley. Is it? Okay. Maybe give it a second. It's just loaded up on my screen. Anything yet? Still blank for me. No. Okay. Um, Caitlin, do you maybe want to try? Because I think you've got the latest version of everything if it's not going to work on my end.
that looks much better. Thank you. Okay, um, fab. So yeah, I'm just going to give an overview, um, first of all, of the Cerebra Network for Neurodevelopmental Disorders. Um, so we can go on to the next slide. So we're based in the UK. Um, and I'm just going to start by sharing our aim, our, our central aim with you, um, which stems from the fact that children with neurodevelopmental conditions, children and adults with neurodevelopmental conditions, experience poorer developmental health and well-being outcomes compared to those without neurodevelopmental conditions. Um, so our work to date has shown um, that these inequalities are heightened in children with the most complex clinical presentations. And that's particularly in those with intellectual disability that's associated with rare genetic syndromes or autism. Um, so we are a pioneering collaborative research network. We're funded by Cerebra, which is a UK children's charity. Um, and we um, do work solely to reverse that position, essentially, and to level the playing field um, for people with rare and complex needs. So our aim is to really improve the evidence, the scientific evidence that underpins better assessment and interventions for clinicians um, and therefore leads to improved outcomes for these children and their families. Thanks, you move on, thank you. Um, so we've been privileged um, to do research as a team for over 10 years now, um, and each of us um, leads a line of research in the Cerebra Network. So we take an equal role of, um, each leading within the Cerebral Networks. There's four of us. Joe is obviously here today, and myself, and then Caroline and Jane as well. So Caroline Richards is based at University of Birmingham and Jane Way to Aston University. And the four of us lead the Cerebral Network. Um, and it's our long-standing collaborative relationship that means that the network research is integrated from the ground up. Um, and it also enables the network um, between us to train a higher number of students than any individual approach could offer. Um, and due to our sharing of resources and expertise across four leading universities in the UK, um, our research can re reach wider to include students from a variety of backgrounds. So um, today we're supervising PhD students, postdocs, um, placement students, undergraduate students, master's students, clinical psychology trainees and medical trainees um, who often go on to be general practitioners or family doctors. Um, so we, we're training a wide range of um, people from a wide range of backgrounds to really upskill people in the area of rare genetic syndromes associated with intellectual disability. Okay, move on please. Thank you. Um, so there's only a few of us here today, um, but I just wanted to show you this slide essentially to show you that we don't conduct this with just three of us. It's a huge amount of work um, and we, we actually have more people working in the network than even is on this slide. Um, but yeah, the, the top line represents most of our staff. The bottom two lines represent our doctoral students. Um, but each of these um, staff members and doctoral students conduct research that meets the aim of the Cerebra Network, which is to improve the evidence that underpins better assessment and intervention for people with rare genetic syndromes. Thanks. So each of the four institutions, as I mentioned, leads on extensive work into autism, sleep and mental health with a shared focus on behaviour. Um, we know from our previous research, these are key priorities for families um, and the areas where there's the highest need for improved assessment and intervention as well. 
And it's the integrated nature of the Cerebra network that means that our combined knowledge and expertise and resources across four universities affords us the opportunity to adopt a more holistic approach um, to better understand the challenges that are faced by individuals with intellectual disability and their families. And this is particularly important because we know that behavioural and mental health characteristics occur in combination rather than, than on their own. So, for example, someone who is experiencing anxiety may also experience sleep disturbance, which can impact on behaviour. So considering all aspects of a child's presentation is crucial to improving support. And that's what we aim to do within the network. Um, so across the network, we address a number of key challenges. And together, these improve the evidence that underpins better ass assessment and intervention. Um, so specifically, inadequate identification of autism, sleep problems and mental health conditions presents a barrier to clinical diagnosis and access to relevant services. So if people aren't diagnosed or identified as having anxiety, for example, or autism, then they don't receive the support because it's not been identified. Um, so we're developing tools to improve identification to overcome this barrier. Um, we're also developing models that indicate precise mechanisms that give rise to clinical presentations of autism, sleep disorder and mental health conditions. And this leads us to the third key challenge, um, which is to develop and pilot interventions. So I mean, it's a lot of work, <laughs> but we really enjoy it. Um, so we're really committed to improving long term outcomes for people with intellectual disability and rare and complex neurodevelopmental conditions. And we do this via translation of our research into resources um, that are useful, we hope, um, to families and as well as the professionals that work with the families. Um, so I'll now move on to just share some information about the resources um, that we provide essentially to highlight, I think, really the impact that our research has on families. We don't just do this research in order to publish papers in academic journals that no one can access. We do it to actually provide resources that are useful for parents and professionals. So from working with families over many years now, we know that how we share our research findings is really important. Um, to ensure that the people who really need the information get it. Um, and also they get it when they need it, rather than 10 years down the line when it, you know, it's taken that long to translate research into policy. It's, it's something we want to actually share more immediately than that. Um, so we've developed strategies that remove unnecessary delays um, and communicate findings in, in an accessible format. So this includes our Cerebra Guides, um, so some of these have been commended or highly commended by the British Medical Association, which is a big deal in the UK. Um, and we've also provided um, infographics um, and training videos. Um, and we also have a strong presence at Syndrome Support Group conferences where we'll deliver presentations to families on our latest research, we'll share all of the resources we have um, and just get to chat to families. And that's really what inspires our research is those conversations where we find out really what people need. And then we're able to share with them what we you know, what we have found out and what might be beneficial and helpful for them. Um, we've also um, produced manuals of our assessments that we've developed. So um, one of the things we've done in the Cerebra Network is develop a number of questionnaire measures that can be used by 
parents or carers to complete about their child um, or the person they care for around their behavior and mood. And these are really unique because they're designed specifically for people with intellectual disability. Um, and we've made all of these questionnaires completely freely available to use um, and for clinicians to use via our FIND website. So that's findresources.co.uk. And this is a website for parents and professionals providing the latest information and research findings on rare and complex needs. Um, so the, the impact of FIND is really what we're so proud of because it's, um, you know, we're able to share that with families and professionals. Um, and it demonstrates the value of our translational work, not only to families and, and the intellectual disability community, um, but also to the, the to the professionals that are working with these individuals in order to better support them via their professions. Um, so we're also really excited to have just launched, just on the next slide, please, Caitlin, um, the, an online teacher training resource. Um, so this is to support the complex needs of children with genetic syndromes within educational practice. Um, and again, this is freely available online, so parents may wish to share it with their child's school. Um, and this resource has been developed to raise awareness and understanding of the complex needs of children with genetic syndromes and to support educational practitioners and teachers who are working with these children. Um, so during um, within this online resource, there's opportunities to hear from a senior educational psychologist and teachers as well as parents and carers of children with genetic syndromes. Um, and the resource has been developed in line with relevant research with specific examples that are discussed. Um, and, it's, and, and it's all applied to relevant sections using supporting evidence. So it's, it's, it characterizes our aim really, it's to we improve the evidence that underpins better assessment and then translate that into resources like this that yeah, we span the professions, healthcare, and now and now education. Um, so I'm just going to end with a sort of motivational quote, really, that what we aim to do is um, work together with families and clinicians, educators, and our collaborators in the network to ensure that there is a pipeline for future researchers. Um, and clinicians who together are transforming outcomes for families of children with neurodevelopmental conditions um, and supporting families to live their best lives. Um, so I'm going to hand over um, so that you can hear more information about one of our flagship studies that um, you can help help us conduct by taking part in. Um, and yeah, you'll get you'll get to hear about that now. Thank you. Okay, I'm just going to share my, hopefully, share my slides. Um, can you see at the moment? Ah. Okay, can you still see main slides? Yeah, okay. Um, okay, so yeah, thank you, Haley, for introducing um, uh, the network. Um, and um, as Haley mentioned, uh, we have 
um, a, a number of projects that uh, we're working on across the network and um, and each of the network leads, so myself, Haley, Jane, uh, and Caroline, um, leads a, a kind of theme of research into these different areas of autism, sleep, mental health, and behavior. Um, the Beyond study is an example of a study that sort of cuts across um, the network uh, themes. And as Haley says, is our, one of our flagship um, studies. Um, and is really focused around um, improving identification, improving our understanding of um, underlying um, processes and mechanisms that, that drive the development of uh, particular uh, uh, strengths and differences across genetic syndromes. Um, and, and the BEYOND study is really about trying to better understand behavioral and emotional differences in, um, in children and adults with a range of neurodevelopmental disorders and, and conditions, and to do that in a very fine-grained and detailed way. Um, so I'm just gonna, um, I've got a video here that I want to play, hopefully this will work, which will just give you a little bit more information about, about the study before I talk a bit more in a bit more detail. Um, can everybody see that? One of the biggest questions that we still don't fully know the answer to is how and why we change in the way that we think, feel and behave over our lifetimes. We've been partnering with charities and families of children and adults with rare genetic syndromes over the last 20 years to work towards answering these questions. We know from our previous work that there are a number of key areas that we need to understand better to give every child and adult the best chance of a happy and healthy life. We know these factors are particularly important for children and adults with rare genetic syndromes. Beyond is a pioneering international multi-site online survey that will follow children and adults over their lifetimes, focusing on those key areas. Through this, we will raise awareness and understanding of rare genetic syndromes, which is at the heart of what we do at the Cerebra Network. Beyond stereotypes, beyond stigma, beyond labels, to take part in Beyond, please follow the link in the video caption. Okay, um, so hopefully that gives you a bit of an idea of uh, of what Beyond is about and the and the reasons why we we are carrying out this work. Um, Beyond the Beyond study is an expansion of um, a, a longitudinal cross syndrome survey that we've been conducting um, over a number of years. Um, initially, as part of the Cerebra Centre, which was led by Professor Chris Oliver, um, and we're now kind of taking that forward within the Cerebra network. Um, so the uh, the uh, that longitudinal survey uh, started in two thousand and four. And um, we've been collecting data on a number of different um, uh, genetic syndrome groups over that, that period of time. Um, and thanks to um, the input from over 2000 families, um, we now have, we, we think that this is now to our understanding that the, the world's largest database on psychological characteristics and behavioral characteristics of children and adults with rare genetic syndromes. Um, and so carrying out this work um, 
uh, across a, a broad range of, of groups um, <clears throat> in this way over, over time enables us to answer really important questions. Um, and and it, it's really only through work like this that we can answer those on, on a broad and a large scale. Um, so these are some examples of some of the academic papers that um, we've um, worked on as a result of this, this cross syndrome approach and our previous surveying. Um, and so the development and expansion of beyond um, means that we can continue to do this work, that we can uh, work with new um, groups that we haven't worked with before, and that we can um, uh, also work with a, a, a younger cohort um, of children who, who may have been diagnosed since we first started um, this study back in, in 2004. Um, so um, beyond is, 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 is a really um, a, a large scale study um, and um, we're really excited about extending this um, and working with uh, people with KB, KBG and, and families. Um, this slide just shows some of the family support groups of rare syndromes that we've been fortunate, fortunate enough to partner with uh, in research um, and in relation to the BEYOND study. Um, and we really value the partnership with um, family support groups um, we, we couldn't do the work that we do without input um, from those groups and with their help to, um, uh, to share information with families um, and promote the work that we're doing um, so, that we can, um, uh, if, so that we can reach as many people as possible. Um, and I want to just share a little bit in, uh, of an example, really, in terms of what we can learn from this type of research. Um, so I know that this table looks very busy. I'll just explain very briefly what you're seeing here. So um, this is uh, results from um, the, the, um, one of our previous um, surveys um, with data collected uh, in around 2004. Um, across um, a range of different syndrome groups. So here we've got different groups, Angelman syndrome, Cri de Cornelia de Lange, Fragile X, prada syndrome, Low syndrome, and Smith-McGinnis syndrome, um, evaluating um, strengths and differences within each of these groups on a range of different areas. So autistic characteristics, mood, hyperactivity, and um, behavior, uh, the behaviors that challenge. Um, the, the where you see a plus in this table, it means we're seeing more of that behavior. When we see a, a, a minus in the table, it means we're seeing less of that particular characteristic. And the circles indicate that we're sort of somewhere in the middle. And what I really want to just draw your attention to is the, the profile um, uh, of characteristics that we're able to understand through this type of um, in-depth surveying. So we can see really specific profiles of strengths and differences uh, within individual groups so so that we can identify where the areas of priority are so for example in angelman syndrome we can see um, that hyperactivity overactivity and impulsivity are particularly um, high in this particular group and that might be where we would then kind of focus our work and our research and our support for families 
Um, in Fragile X syndrome, we see a very different profile. Here, it seems to be uh, more, much more focused around social communication difficulties, repetitive behavior. That seems to be where we might focus our uh, research, future research and support for families. So what we gain from this type of survey is very in-depth, detailed information about individual syndrome groups and, and identification of those unique patterns of strengths and differences that we see within the individual groups. It's also helpful for us to sort of position the groups alongside other syndromes. Um, it, it, it helps us to understand better where those strengths and differences are um, and how that and how that um, and how they present in a kind of more broader framework of the wider population of people with rare genetic syndromes. I um, just want to turn quickly to another example of, a, of an area where we've really been able to advance our understanding of um, behaviours that challenge in particular genetic syndrome groups through this type of surveying work that we've been doing. Um, and this is work that will continue uh, in beyond. Um, so here, again, I know that this it's a kind of uh, tricky graph to, to, to look at, um, but really I just want to explain very briefly what it shows. So we have proportion of people in different genetic syndrome groups in terms of the, uh, the proportion of people who show here um, self-injurious behavior on, um, on the left and physical aggression on the right. And the reason why I wanted to show you this is because actually we can get some really important information from these types, this asking these sorts of questions. We can get an understanding, for example, that in Cornelia de Lange syndrome, self-injurious behavior is more, is much, is, is, is highly is highly prevalent um, and is significantly more likely to occur in in this particular group relative to other genetic syndrome groups. In Angelman syndrome, we don't see quite as much in this in in in, in terms of self interest behaviour, but what we are seeing is physical aggression in this group, and so that distinction um, is really important because we might approach those different challenges in very different ways. We also know that. Um, the underlying uh, mechanisms that kind of drive these behaviours and these different behaviours that challenge within these groups is also very different. In Cornelia de Lange syndrome, we know that the self-injury tends to be associated with pain and discomfort. In Angelman syndrome, physical aggression tends to be associated with this kind of increased motivation for social interaction that we see in that particular group. And so this kind of detailed level of evaluation helps us not only to understand where are the priorities for these groups? Where are the key challenges? But also to help us understand, okay, what's what are the things that are driving those, those challenges? What are the underlying areas of research that we need to do to better understand those differences? Um, so I'm gonna hand over to Caitlin, who's gonna talk a bit more about how you can take part in Beyond. Um, and um, I will stop sharing and hand over now. Thank you. Um, so yeah, I'll just pull up my screen now um, and talk about the sort of practicalities of where to find out where to find out more and then also how to take part. Um, so if my 
screen sliding up. Um, so my name is Caitlin, I'm a research fellow at the University of Surrey um, and I'm going to talk a little bit about the practicalities before handing over to Dr Karen Lowe who will tell you a bit more about um, why you should take part in sort of the um, impact and benefit to individual families and then also to the KBG community um, in a wider sense. So the first way that you can take part is just follow the online links that will take you straight to the survey. Um, so you can take part online at redcap.link forward slash B-E-O-N-D um, and the QR code there as well will take you straight to the survey. Um, you can also find out more um, information before you decide whether you'd like to take part on either of these websites so on the KBG Foundation and um, there's a link to information on beyond right on that front page there um, and you can also go to our network website at network forward slash beyond hyphen KBG um, and that will show the video that Joe showed earlier and um, you can find out more information so there's an information pack there which will give further detail um, about the study and what it involves um, and then you can also at the bottom of that page, either take part in mine by following this link, or you can um, take part by post. So if you would prefer um, to take part um, using pen and paper with a physical copy, you can request a postal pack there and we'll send one out to you. Um, and we do cover all postage. Um, it's a little bit more complicated internationally. So if you're requesting a postal pack internationally, we will send one out to you. Um, but we will have to reimburse your postage rather than directly pay for it to start with. So just um, to give a heads up on that, that that is something that we offer if that would be more useful to you. Um, so the request is there, or you can take part online as well. Um, and a little bit about what to expect when you're taking part in Beyond. So um, first of all, um, who we're asking to take part is people who are the parent or guardian or carer of someone with KBG syndrome, um, where the person that you care for is at least one years old. Um, so when you follow the link to the survey, um, those are the questions that you'll be asked just to confirm that you are the parent or caregiver of somebody um, who is at least one years old and has um, KBG syndrome in this instance. Um, so that will go there. Um, and just as a kind of overview of what actually taking part involves. So the questionnaires are designed for you as a parent or carer to complete. Um, all of the questionnaires are in English and we're not able to provide translated versions at this time, although the survey is open internationally. Um, and the survey will take approximately 60 minutes or an hour to complete, um, but you don't have to complete it in one sitting. So you can return to the questions. You don't have to sit there and, and do the survey all at once. Um, and there's a range of questions included in here. So there'll be questions um, covering sort of the child or person you care for, um, diagnosis, their health, their behaviour, and their mood and sleep. Um, and then also questions about yourself and your own mental health and well-being, and then some questions about your family situation as well. Um, so what this actually would look like as you were taking part, um, so the first thing that you would get to is um, much more detailed information about the study and about how we treat your data and things like that that you can read through. Um, and there's a consent form as well for you to complete as, as the parent or guardian and the person taking part in the survey. Um, but we're also very aware um, that there's a lot of information about the person that you care for that you're reporting on. And so um, 
we think it's really important to consider how that person would feel um, about the survey as well. Um, so we have a, which is demonstrated on the right here, a simple information sheet um, to help you explain the study to the person that you care for. Um, and if your child is unable to understand the study information, um, then as a parent carer, you could provide that consent um, for, for the both of you. Um, but if they are able to understand it and you, you talk through the study with them, then there'll be some additional questions um, to make sure that they're happy for, for you to share their information with us. Um, and then you'll also have some questions about the Cerebra Network participant database, information about that and the consent form as well. Um, and the reason I'm highlighting those kind of initial steps is because that will be once you've completed all of those initial steps, you will then start the survey with those different measures on the different um, topics it covers. But once you've completed those first four steps, you'll then be able to return to the survey. So the response will be saved and you can ret return to the survey. Um, as many times as you want to complete the survey following that. Um, so just as a quick summary, um, that's the link to the survey. Um, if you want a postal pack, you can request that on our website. You can find out more either on our website or on kbgfoundation.com, which you can also find um, the information on beyond. Um, and just also to say to please get in touch with any questions. So um, this will also be circulated as well, so you can find out any information. Um, and now I'll hand over to um, Dr. Karen Lowe to talk a little bit about sort of why you might want to take part specifically. Great. Uh, let me just try and share my screen. And if you can just tell me, is it in presenter mode, Caitlin? Yep. Okay, lovely. Um, so, uh, very nice to um, be here. Thank you for having me. And as you can see, I've got this lovely colourful slide and it isn't all covered in um, beyond motifs, etc. Um, or Cerebra Network motifs. And I think the reason I'm saying that to you all is because um, I just thought it probably is worth pointing out that actually um, I'm not funded by the Cerebra Network. Um, and actually I'm here uh, completely voluntarily <laughs> of my own accord on a Thursday evening at almost nine o'clock at night. Um, and the reason I'm here voluntarily is because I know a lot of KBG families and actually feel really um, passionately that this is a really important study to take place for those families. And um, this, this uh, study taking place for KBG particularly has come about after um, my reaching out to the Cerebra Network to see whether we could do some more research for KBG families in this area. Um, so why do I feel so strongly about it? Well, it's because a lot of families, a lot of parents come to me when they talk to me about their children. Um, a bit like this, I've had quite a few um, really quite distressed conversations with some parents who've been um, just in a really tricky situation at some point. Um, with their children over various different uh, behavior problems um, and really struggling to know what to do about it. Um, and even though I've seen lots of families with KBG syndrome and I've published lots of papers, um, we don't really have very good answers to those questions. And I find that really frustrating because I want to be able to help my patients better um, and I want to be able to give families really good advice. 
And the sort of behaviour problems um, that families are talking to me about are things like anxiety, but, you know, really specific things um, around anxiety. There's a, there's a family I remember who his child was really anxious if it was windy outside and they would take about an hour to get out the front door if it was a really windy day. Um, sensory issues, activity levels, so really significant problems with hyperactivity to the point that children can't sleep at night. Um, social communication differences, uh, including autistic traits and, and autism, um, lots and lots of sleep problems varying from too much sleep to really not sleeping at all and waking up a lot at night. Um, lots of unusual quirky behaviour, um, like I mentioned, the, the child who couldn't get out the door when it was windy. Uh, there's another family whose child uh, isn't American, but sometimes adopts an American accent, uh, has never been to America. Um, and lots of problems around concentration and focus. And I'm sure that, that you parents in the audience tonight can fill in your own in that in that last block as well, because I'm sure I haven't covered all of them. Um, so why would you be part of this research? Well, I, I mean, it's the biggest concern that's raised in my clinical experience when looking after KBG um, families. It's always the, the question that people want to talk about. And I think Annette and Paige from the foundation would echo this as well, that it's the question that comes up with the foundation the most. Um, we, we know that in the studies that have been written now about KBG syndrome, they do report behavior problems, but not in very much detail. And really we need to understand the issues properly before we can give tailored KBG specific advice. And that's what families need, but without really understanding what's going on well, we can't do that. So how can participating in this study really help? Well, in terms of the wider KBG community, um, by clearly documenting behavior and mental health issues, this means that we can really understand the problem so we can use the right strategies. Um, health and education professionals will have evidence of the problems which will help them support individuals better. And this is a really important point, actually, particularly in, um, for example, in the UK, where funding for things is so much harder to get in, in all areas. If there's documented research demonstrating um, a need or a, a challenge or a difference, it's much more likely to be successful if you're applying for that support or funding. And I, I know this from clinical experience in KBG syndrome, where there wasn't any research at all about learning um, difficulties uh, in terms of the specific learning difficulties. And then one paper has been done by my Dutch collaborator, Charlotte Ockelen's group, um, which documents a few of the learning difficulties specifically associated with KBG syndrome. And it was a result of this paper that I was able to help support a couple of families actually get additional funding for their children in terms of their education. So just having that documented evidence sometimes really helps support individuals' needs better. Um, and once we've got better documentation of what's going on in the syndrome, well, then we can conduct specific treatment research based on these findings to try and find the right treatments. And this can be, I don't just mean medications, although medications might be relevant for some of the problems, but also um, what, what strategies work best for different problems. And then it's not just about 
uh, how this can help the wider community. It's also about how this can help your child and your family. And this is something I've just been blown away um, by about this Beyond study, is that at the end of participating in the study, you as a family will get a really quite comprehensive feedback report. Now, this is still in draft forms. It might not look exactly like this by the time you get it back. And if you have specific feedback, I'm sure that um, the Beyond study team would love to hear it. But um, this is just some of the, this isn't, I'm not going to show you all of it because it was quite long, but this is just some of the pages from it. Um, and you can see there's a really long contents list there, and that's because um, you're going to get reports on all the different measures that you've completed. Um, and then you've got a results page here. The first one is about the Wessex questionnaire, which is about how your child can look after themselves in terms of um, scores for daily living. Now, just off the top of my head, I could see that being helpful in a disability living allowance application or um, similar, where, where, whichever country you come from. Um, challenging behaviour questionnaire, um, which will again be very helpful in support, so, social communication questionnaire, uh, a questionnaire about clinical anxiety. So all of these uh, reports are giving you um, the results of your child's analysis and also showing where your child is in comparison to the larger group in some of them. Talks about the sleep habits questionnaire, um, seizure severity scale, mood questionnaire, repetitive behaviours questionnaire, um, sensory experiences, which I think would be really great in terms of um, education settings as well and supporting children's specific needs, activity questionnaire, which will, will be amazing with all of the um, hyperactivity problems that I know are seen in, in some of these children. Oh, that's the end of my slide. So um, essentially, I think you get something really amazing at the end of the study, which you can then use as evidence um, when you're talking to health and education professionals to really help them support your child as a specific individual. And that's something that I think is really, really worth doing. And, and you could pay really good money for and not be able to get something like that. <laughs> Um, I think I think it's a, a fantastic study and wholeheartedly supported as a clinician. That's me done. I, I guess I'll take over. <laughs> to yeah, somebody else. I was going to say thank you very much to Karen and and um, uh, it just to say also in terms of the report, as Karen says, is it in draft form? So we're still kind of welcoming any feedback that that you may have um you know around that and what you may want to see uh within those reports um so please do feel that you could contact us with um additional uh, information fantastic i suppose a, a massive thank you is in order first and foremost uh dr lowell thank you so much for setting this up for us uh, getting us in the beyond study and providing this opportunity to share this information to help families better understand what's involved in the research, what they get from the research and the long-term goals of the research. I really, really appreciate this. And uh, I need to reiterate how wonderful it has been to work with the doctors at the beyond uh, study. It's in this Reber network. It's literally been a complete and utter joy at no point in time. Have I ever sworn at anybody under my breath? So thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, now we're going to open the floor up to any questions that anyone might have. 
we can you can either put them in chat or you could do we have the ability to raise hands turned on anybody know it looks like we should do but there you go yes karen is any questions Ah, Paige asks, do people need to upload or share records like their genetic tests to prove they have KBG syndrome? Um, so we have in included an option for people to be able to upload their, their records uh, or letter um, that they have from their clinician. Um, it's, it's an optional part of the, um, the survey. Um, but actually it's very helpful for us in terms of being able to kind of obtain um, that really clear information, genetic information about the type of difference that people have. Um, but we have a very secure, we've set up a very secure infrastructure um, using a system called REDCap, which is used across um, hospitals, um, research environments and universities in the UK. And it's very, very secure um, in terms of storing that um, very sensitive information. So there, yes, there is an option for that to be uploaded. And, you know, if you do have that, it's really helpful for us to see. Okay, uh, another question from Joanna. Do you have any contacts with research organizations in the US that you are collaborating with or will be collaborating with? I mean, we we have a couple, but I know the international collaboration is is really kind of tricky because there are different standards and there are different regulations. Um, our patient registry that should be launching in the near future may be able to assist with some of that because they do support international regulations, um, but we don't know quite yet to what extent we might have researchers outside the U.S. interested in <laughs> working. Yeah, so... We also have some, we have some really nice examples of collaborations with um, universities in the US um, around, so they're quite, they're relatively specific collaborations, either about, you know, to do with research around a particular genetic syndrome um, or a particular area. So for example, we've got a really strong collaborative relationship with the Neurodevelopmental Disorders Lab at the University of South Carolina. Um, where we conduct joint research and we share data as well now, which is quite a new, exciting development because that's been something that's been almost impossible to do up until now. But we've um, we share data, so it just maximizes our opportunity to um, increase our sample size, which means we can reach more people um, and our results are more meaningful. Um, so we do have that collaboration with a particular genetic syndrome, Fragile X syndrome. We're always on the lookout for more collaborations that you know are specific to other groups. Um, or we have collaborations around a particular topic. So we know, for example, um, that pain, um, unidentified pain, often underlies um, particular behaviours. Um, and it can almost be like a form of communication that someone is experiencing pain. Um, and so we have some really nice collaborators um, that we work with and do some really great work together from um, the University of Minnesota. Um, so yeah, we we are we do have those collaborations in place 
Um, and at the moment, they're relatively specific to, to groups or topics. But yeah, as I say, we're always on the lookout to expand that. Um, and we've got a model now, I think, that works quite well to do that international collaboration. Uh, a question from Caitlin. Can we use some of these reports as evidence in another country, especially the educational pieces? Will they be accepted in, let's say, Canada? Um, so the, the report is yours to use as you would like. Um, they are not clinical reports. Um, they're research reports. So, um, you know, they, they do provide a lot of information and the measures that we use are are, val you know, are, are valid and have been developed for use within these populations and should be, you know, would be recognized in any kind of, in most clinical settings. Um, and, you know, it, what we found in the past is that families have found it useful it to, you know, it's something physical that they can take to school and so, you know, put that on the table. It makes a bit of a noise. You, you know, read through it. There's information in here that can be useful. Um, so, as I say, yours to use however you would like. Um, and, um, uh, and and we hope that, we would hope that they would be kind of useful for in any context as well. I, I have to smile at the idea of dropping a report on a table as you enter the room at an IEP meeting. I love that impact. We have a hand raised. Yes, my dear. Hello, sorry, I'm not very good at typing. I couldn't find how to type. Um, my question is, I'm in the UK and thanks to KBG Foundation, it's been a lifeline. However, being in the UK, after Isabel was diagnosed in 2004, we were kind of left, that's it. And um, I know you say about healthcare professionals, but, but my GPs go on Google to find out about KBG. So my question is, this is great for me. This is like a web of information. However, my question is, um, so you know about yourselves, but like, is there any way that the G, I mean, because I end up telling the GPs what KBG syndrome is and it's limited. So with this information, are they able to obtain it? Because that, and obviously education, because she has the syndrome, she doesn't fit any box. So I guess my two questions are, great is I found this information but how can I forward what I've heard today how can I use this with before I do the survey is this available for for the healthcare professional and the educational as you, um the educational teams to also um get hold of this information that I've learned tonight I hope that's okay so Hayley do you want to take the kind of um healthcare and I'll, I can take kind of education aspect of it yeah Absolutely. So, um, yeah, thank you for your, your question and comment. It's um, frustrating, but not. this is not the first time we have heard that a GP doesn't know what a particular syndrome is. Um, it's actually, it, it's that exact issue that, that kind of motivated the start of my research into this when we were at a Cornelia DeLang syndrome conference and a different parent said exactly the same thing. My GP doesn't even know what Cornelia DeLang syndrome is. And so since um, since I started at the medical school at Warwick, I've been delivering training for medical students so that when they are GPs, they at least know what it is. But we also work with the um, Medics for Rare Diseases charity, and they're producing some GP training right now um, that that has, uh, you know, a lot of 
information for healthcare professionals, particularly GPs, um, around rare diseases. Um, so obviously KBG is just one of many, but there are a lot of cross, you know, issues that that cut across different different groups. And the primary thing is about getting, you know, that diagnosis and that support in place. Um, the other thing is that the resources we produce, so the Find website, for example, is um, it is for parents, but it's also for healthcare professionals. So um, again, KBG syndrome isn't one of the specific syndromes listed, but again, there are a number of genetic syndromes where the issues cut across behavior, mental health, sleep, autism. Um, and so that information you might find is relevant to take to your GP without you having to sort of explain it or or you could give that website essentially the link to your GP. Um, but we are we're also in the process of trying to obtain funding ourselves to produce some GP training. Um, that sort of thing takes a really long time to actually get the funding, then develop the resource and then share it. Um, and at the moment, we've done some sort of pilot um, pilot work and produce some videos for healthcare professionals, but it's primarily to support um, healthcare professionals to provide better better support in those appointments and things like that so we're sort of getting there um but we have a long way to go I think can I just um add in as well um Martine just because you were saying about your GP um there is a uh it's a different organization but um I'm hoping that most people will have received a copy of the unique organization um leaflet on kbg syndrome which was written by myself um so that's a really straightforward easy to read leaflet about kbg syndrome that you could give to your gp it's free to download off the internet i can probably put a link in the chat in a second um and just describes the syndrome in very in very i think it's like a, a one page you know double-sided document tells them what screening needs to be done I actually need to update it because we, we we slightly need to change the recommendations in it, but it's still good to go for the GPs at the moment and, and they can just download it for free. And then, I mean, there's loads of other syndrome leaflets available on their organization as well, but the KBG one's been written by me. Thank you. Would that also work for the Evelina and the London hospitals? Because it doesn't just turn with GP, she's under quite Oh yeah, a lot. no, you could give the same leaflet to, to any healthcare professional as a starting point, absolutely. Yeah, and to teachers, to be honest, because it gives a really good summary of of the syndrome as as just as a starting point. I'll put it in the I'll put a link in the chat for everybody. Thank you. Um, and I'll just sort of add to that. So I suppose the other thing to say is, although KBG is not um, yet featured on the Find Resources website, um, the the more work that we can do to kind of better understand the profile strengths and 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 differences in KBG, um, the more we can work towards being able to, 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 to add that information to, to find. So we, you know, we, this is a starting point for us, but our hope is that we will be able to provide that information for, for other groups um, specifically uh, on find uh, in the future. Um, in relation to the education aspect, so the teacher training resource that we've just launched. Um, there is a link in the chat and I can post it again. Um, the way that we've developed that resource is, um, is, is to, to cover kind of very broad aspects of how, one, how a teacher or how someone in education might approach um, supporting anyone with a rare genetic syndrome 
uh, in education. So what we what we've done in that is not focus on specific conditions, but to give a kind of broad approach. Of, These are the things that you need to try and understand in order to better support that person. So that means you need to go and research the syndrome. Here are the places that you can do that. You need to think about physical health um along at sleep along you know so trying to give very broad um kind of guidance on on how to understand the needs of someone with a genetic syndrome and and kind of just raise awareness of the the, that the kind of importance of knowing about the syndrome alongside the kind of individual needs um as well so so that that we're, we're kind of working on those things there are that you know to some extent we're, we're trying to do some of that um already but there is always more to do in terms of raising awareness absolutely thank you Sorry, my apologies. My son is stomping around and I didn't think you always wanted to hear that. But Raja, um, welcome to the family. Um, she writes that the seven-year-old daughter was diagnosed with KBG syndrome two days ago. Um, if you haven't joined our family group yet, um, if you go to Facebook and search for KBG Foundation, there's a link that's pinned to go to our family group. And in the family group, we have about 600 patients and about 2,000 individuals that support those 600 people, including the 600 people. Um, and we're happy that you were able to get on this call to find that information to get here. So thank you. Um, Sarah asks, how long does it take to analyze the survey results and provide feedback report to the family? Um, so we we're sort of still working on that that timeline at the moment. We're fairly early on in the study, but we would hope to be in a position where we can start analysing the data um, around sort of six months after we've closed the survey. So it takes us quite a long time to clean the data, to check everything, to kind of do any follow up calls that we need to, just to make sure we've got the information that we need, and then to produce. The individual report so um we would like that to be much quicker but it just there is a lot of work to do in order to um be able to um to to get to that point um but we are you know very much committed to to um uh, making sure that that we do that in as in as timely a way as possible thank you um and for those of you that might not have seen it, uh, Dr. Lowe did link out to the unique uh, flyer that she created. Excuse me, pardon me. Um, Paige asks, when do you want to have all the questionnaires submitted and what's the closing date? Um, so we, we don't, at the moment, we uh, are leaving the survey open for quite a long period of time. Um, but we anticipate that when 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 we launch um, the survey with particular groups, um, that we're likely to get the most responses within the first sort of month or so. Um, so so we're kind of working on that that sort of time frame. 
Um, but there will be, you know, we want to make sure there is also opportunity for as many people as possible. So we will keep the survey open for a really good length of time. Um, um, and, and hopefully people will kind of participate within the next uh, uh, month or so. I think it's also I know, I know um, that lots of people who have uh, who are who have KBG um, then also have friends who have KBG because of the incredibly strong KBG community through the KBG Foundation. So I think word of mouth would be really great here as well as it is for those people who have heard the talks tonight and um, are keen to take part in the study to tell others as well about it because I just think it's this phenomenal opportunity that we've got right now um to to do this work and we want to obviously make the most we can and i know from annette's um from what annette tells me that we have well over 300 families now in the, in the world so um we should be able to get lots and lots of data from this which will just be so helpful absolutely we um oh my goodness i forgot what i was going to say <laughs> my apologies we, oh we have uh we're about ready to close does anybody have any last items they would like to stress or one last question okay uh, we will be sharing um the link to the study multiple times over the next little while uh, we will and thank everybody for being here and thank you very much for your time and your time is very valuable and we acknowledge uh, being able to access it for as long as we have. It's very appreciative. Um, if anybody has any additional questions, oh, Sarah has raised her hand. Sarah, please. Sorry, just to say um, thank you, because I've um, got a son who's been diagnosed for two years. Um, so we're still learning a lot um, about how to explain how, how Robert is. Um, we find him very unique, <laughs> um, but it's nice to be able to um, support him. Um, and like others have said, I'm informing the GP um, and the teachers. Uh, thankfully, we're in mainstream school, so we're reaching out to um, people who don't perhaps um, work in regular disability facilities and things like that if that's the best way to put it so this is very exciting um times thank you Haley or, or Caitlin anything you'd like to say uh, yeah I just want to say a big thank you to to everyone that's come everyone that's shown interest in the beyond study and their support moving forward so we yeah we just we really look forward to continuing that work and finding out more about KBG syndrome and, and you know doing that work with this group we're really excited about this new relationship we have with the KBG syndrome group so thanks thanks very much okay thank you and we hope to see everybody in the family group thank you very much everyone thank you <laughs>